I'll tell you something else I love about South Union Christian Church, and that's this. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're doing right now, you're welcome in this place. I mean, completely welcome without judgment at South Union Christian Church. And, and that's powerful stuff. And, and the reason we can do that in this church is because of what I want to talk to you about this morning. We've been talking these last few weeks about what we need more of in 2022. We need less worry. We need more grace. We need more joy that we talked about last week. And this week, I want to talk about love. We need more love in this church and in a world right now for sure. And I'm talking about Christ-type love. And I was talking to a few of you last week, and I said, hey, could you just give me a couple of quips, you know, a quote or something about love? And uh, you guys are a bunch of jokers. One of you said to me, you know what you call two birds that are in love? And I said, no, what? Tweethearts. Yeah, tweethearts. One of you said to me, uh, did, you, did you hear what one light bulb said to the other light bulb? I said, I'm, I'm asking you about love. I know. It, it said, I love you watts and watts. One of you told me that your girlfriend left you last week. You, you thought she loved you, but she left. And I said, why'd she leave? Because I acted so much like a transformer. And when she left, I said, wait, don't go. I can change. I mean, where are you guys getting these jokes? You know what I'm talking about? Are you listening to a bad comedian every week, or what's the deal? Listen, uh, uh, this church is a place of unconditional Christ-like love. That's why we accept everybody without judgment. Now listen to me. We preach the truth of God's Word here. We stand on the absolute truth of God's Word, but we teach it and preach it in love. We have to. That's what we have to do here. It's mission critical. I mean, if we get thousands of other things right here and we miss that one, we're not going to make it. And I'm not the one who started that. Somebody else said this a long time ago. Who was it? Yeah, it was Jesus. He said in John chapter 13, verse 31, he said it this way. Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, then God will glorify the Son in Himself, and He will glorify Him at once. My children, I'm not going to be with you, but only for a little while longer. You'll look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I'm going to tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I'm going to give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. By this, he said. In other words, this is how they're going to know that South Union Christian Church is a church of Jesus Christ if we love each other. Not if we agree with each other politically. Not if we agree with each other on social issues. Not if we don't care if it's Jimmy preaching or Mark preaching or Jeremy preaching or Eric preaching. No, that we love one another. People ought to be able to come into this church and see grace everywhere and hope everywhere and joy everywhere and healing everywhere. Why? Because they see love everywhere. This has got to be a church of unconditional love. Now, listen to me. I'm not talking about compromising so we can get along with everybody. I'm talking about speaking the truth of God's Word and bringing love alongside of it, just like Jesus did. It's powerful stuff, and we got to do it. Here's how we get it done. Number one, love has got to be our top priority. This ought to be a place of head-turning, jaw-dropping, you just can't believe how much love goes on in this place, place. And Jesus said, if you get that done, you'll change everything. And you know how he was able to say that? Because it's already happened by the time he said it. I mean, you think about the early church. That was the fingerprint of the early church. That's the signature of the early church. They left of everywhere they went. They left love. The world had never seen anything like it. I mean, are you kidding me? You've got slaves and slave owners loving each other. I mean, read the book of Philemon. You've you got children and kids 
welcomed and loved in the church with the same status as the men. It was unheard of. You had Jews and Gentiles, Roman centurions, tax collectors, wealthy people, poor people, all getting together. This diverse group, we love to talk about diversity today. There's never been a more diverse group of people ever got together that loved each other than the first church. How'd they pull that off? Because they had one thing in common, Jesus Christ. By the way, who is God? By the way, who is love? That's what the Bible says, God's essence is. God is love. It's powerful stuff. And when a church tunes into that the way the early church did, I mean, you just look it up in the history books. It, it, it spreads like airborne disease. You think COVID's contagious? You, you spread this kind of love. We do this as a church. You talk about contagious. Now, one of the reasons it's hard to pull off is um, us. And so Jesus prayed about us in John 17, verse 20, that we would find us love. Because this kind of uncommon godly love is hard to do. Amen? It just is, especially in this time of division. And, and because there's something inside of us, each one of us just want to be right. We want to be right about everything. You get on your social media and just post an opinion, see what happens. And, and we want to have it our way. And we want to do that in the church. We defend our brand in the church. I'm Baptist. I'm Methodist. I'm Lutheran. Those people dump. Those people sprinkle. Those people speak in tongues. That's really weird. Those people don't speak in tongues. We'll pray for them that they get the Holy Spirit. They take communion every Sunday. Can you believe that? We read the NIV. Well, we're King James Version, you know? Jesus knew that was coming. And so he prayed for us in John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for all of those who believe in me through their message. That would be us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Now look at this. So the world may believe that you've sent me. Jesus said, I, I'm praying that the church will be unified and have this unbelievable, uh, uncommon godly love going on inside of the buildings. Listen, this is not an option. This is not an add-on. This is not a nice to have. This is mission critical. Jesus said, here's what's at stake. If you find a church that has this kind of love in it, the world's going to know that God sent me. If they, if they don't, then the implication is they won't. Most of you know I was at IPL for the first 11 years that I was here, and it was a fertile mission field, and we ended up getting three deacons down here from IPL, and we had several baptisms, and that was on, on you guys because I'd bring them, you'd love them. But man, when I'd first ask those people to come to church, I always heard the same excuse. I'm not coming to church. Why? Because you guys fight, man. That's all you guys do at church is fight. You fight each other. You fight other churches. You fight the government. I fight enough, man. I fight at home. I fight at school. I fight my kids. I don't want to fight. And I said, oh, come to South Union. We've learned the secret. We don't fight at South Union. What's the secret? We just do everything the women tell us. That's it, man. I mean, there's no fighting going on down here. You know what I mean? Family, we got to love one another. It's got to be number one priority. So the world will not only know that we're disciples of Jesus Christ, but the world will know that God sent him. It's our top priority. Secondly, we got to engage in the power of love. This is powerful stuff, man, especially the love we're talking about, this agape love in this passage of Scripture. Now, most of you know, I don't get into the original language very often. I don't get into the Greek. There's a couple of reasons for that. The first one is I'm pretty ignorant. I only took introductory Greek in college, and so I have the tools to do that. But in order for me to get into the original language, i got to dig real deep, which is okay if I only preach three or four times a year, but I preach every week and I don't have time to get deep. 
So that's one of the reasons I don't get real deep into the Greek language. But here's the other one, and I mean this. This is, this, this is not a trick. I'm, I'm serious. I think sometimes if we're not careful, when we get up here and we start preaching and we start spouting off, well, the original language goes like this. I'm afraid if we're not careful, it makes you all think once in a while that maybe your Bible's not complete and nothing can be farther from the truth. You've got everything you need in the Word of God that you're reading right in front of you, and He'll see to it. Now, if you've got time to go deep, go deep, because it's powerful stuff. But if you don't, don't you worry about it. You've got everything you need. But I want to talk about this particular Greek word, because it's the magnitude of this word uh, is just it's powerful. I mean, you think about how we've talked about this so many times, how we throw the word love around. You know what I mean? I love Mother Bear's Pizza. I love Rice Krispie Treats. I mean, who doesn't? You know what I'm talking about? I love my dog. I love my wife. I love my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, are you kidding me? I use the same word to describe cookies and my love for Jesus Christ. And my point is, sometimes our English language is weak. And when it comes to this word, that's one of those times. This is review for most of you in here, but there's three main words in the Greek language for love. The first one is phileo, which is brotherly love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And then you got eros which is where we get our English word erotic. And you know where that goes, husband and wife and that kind of thing. And then there's this word agape that we're talking about here. And when we use this word agape, whether we're teaching or preaching, you hear Eric do it when he's talking uh, about John on Wednesday nights, we say the word agape. And the reason for that is it's too big for the English language. We, we don't have a word in the English big enough to handle this. This is unselfish, vertical, supernaturally. Only God can help me do this kind of love. This is the kind of love that's going to make me love you no matter what you said to me, no matter what you did to me. This is powerful, unbelievable love. And this is the kind of love we got to have in the church, especially these days. It's earth-shaking, earth-changing, uh, blown-away type love. Now, one of the best examples of this love is in the Scripture, of course, is 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. I read that at almost every wedding I do because on wedding day is the only time in the marriage that's ever going to happen. You know what I'm talking about. But this is powerful stuff. Paul says, this is unselfish, supernatural, joy-producing, life-sustaining, relationship-preserving love. It's good stuff. In fact, Paul says you can have everything else. You, you can be a great prophesier. You can be uh, great in faith. You can do all these wonderful things in service. But if you don't have love, you've got nothing. And then he describes it in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't envy. Does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. You say, what's it never fail at? Nothing. It never fails at anything. So if you're having any kind of relationship problem with anybody, you put love in there because love never fails. It's how you get traction to work things out. It's how you get to the next day. If you're working things out with somebody and you don't have love in there, everything else is at risk because love never fails. Let's say you're having a bunch of people over today to your house for dinner from your family. And somebody in this part of your extended family you're not getting along with. Does that ever happen to anybody? Let's say um, you've got a couple of people at school, maybe three or four. You're just having a hard time getting along with it. It would be a whole lot better if you could get along with them, but for some reason you just can't. Uh, let's say that you've got somebody at work just causing you all kinds of trouble, and you don't even know why. 
See, here's my point. I don't know what your plan is to fix that, but if you put love in the equation, you can take everything else out because love never fails, ever, ever. For one thing, love conquers selfishness, and we just talked about this last week. One of the biggest obstacles that keeps you and I as Christians from living the the way we should, from doing the right thing, is selfishness. I want my way. I want to be right in every argument, whether I'm at home or at work or church, and I want my way. But if you love this way, I mean, just put your name in here. Jim is patient. Jim is kind. Jim does not envy. Jim does not boast. Jim is not proud. Jim is not rude. Jim is not self-seeking. Jim is not easily angered. You see what I'm talking about? If I could just get Jim Kane to do this, selfishness would be the least of my issues. The second thing is, it love conquers the status quo. You know what I'm talking about, the status quo? How you, how you and your kids get along? Fine. How you and your wife handle, uh, getting along? Fine. How, how you getting along down at work? Oh, everything's fine. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. He wants more of us than fine. Whether you're at work or at school or at church or in the checkout lane at Walmart, he wants you and I to live and show this unbelievable, supernatural, joy-producing, Christ-honoring, complete life-changing love everywhere we go because it changes everything, not the status quo. We're disciples of Christ. We should live that way. And this should be a church that lives that way. It's tough to do, though. I I apologize to you if I've told you the story. I couldn't remember. I'm looking at notes. I probably did, but 10 or 11 years ago, we're on our last day of vacation in Destin, Florida, and we're on our way home, and I got mad at the family. Actually, just a couple in the family, but it set my mood. And uh, before you know it, I'm not talking to anybody. And uh, to say I was a poophead, can I say poophead from the, my mom's not here. To say I was a poophead is putting it lightly. I'm ashamed. I I mean, I'm looking this up last week. I'm ashamed of the way I acted. I drove all the way home from Destin, Florida with my family in a car and didn't speak a word. Now, when I got home and cooled off, I called everybody up and I apologized. And bless their hearts, they all forgave me. My kids forgave me, my son-in-laws both forgave me, my wife forgave me, my mother-in-law forgave me, but it's what my mother-in-law said that I'll never forget. Because I said, Ma, that's what I call her, I just called to tell you I'm so sorry the way I acted coming home from Florida. I'd like to think that's not who I am. I think, I think it was just a, a, a fluke, and I, I like to think I'm going to grow past that and not ever do it again. And you know what she said to me? She said, James... I've known all along you weren't perfect. And I know this isn't who you are. And I know you probably never do it again. Life breathing. You know what I'm saying? She was wrong, by the way. I did it two years ago. But it, it was just Angie, and it was just two days. You know what I'm talking about? But you talk about giving life? I mean, instead of saying, well, I'm never going to get over that. You're going to have to give me a little bit of time. I'm going to pigeonhole you and put you over here. I mean, I can't believe you act that way. You're supposed to you call yourself a preacher. No, no, no. She said, I know who you are, and I know God's not done with you, and I'm fine. Kind of like we talked about last week. Am I the only one, am I the only one in here who knows that God's not finished with him yet? Do you know that about yourself? Would you like to share that with somebody? Anybody else in here who's all for a second chance in grace, say amen. Yeah, yeah, me too. And that's who we need to be at South Union Christian Church. 
Thirdly, love conquers the I give ups. You know what I mean by the I give ups? It's none of my business. I'm not going to get involved. Translation, I give up. I got a grandkid who right now is living outside of the will of Jesus Christ. I know what the Bible says, and they're living this way, but I'm just a grandparent. I'm not a parent, so I can't get involved. Translation, I give up. If he doesn't stop drinking as much as he's drinking right now, he's going to have a problem. In fact, he might already have a problem, but really, I don't want to get involved. Translation, I give up. I give up. I tell you what, if she doesn't stop treating kids the way she's treating kids at school, if she doesn't stop with that smart aleck snarky mouth and talking about other people, ain't nobody going to like her at all, but it's none of my business. Translation, I give up. Did you read verse 6 and 7? Did you see what Paul says? Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. You see what he's saying? It always, it never gives up. Ever. You can't ever say, I give up. Every now and then, you got to love somebody enough to look them in the eye and say, stop it. You're killing yourself. You're destroying your reputation. You're causing all kinds of turmoil. Nobody's going to like you. You need to stop what you're doing. you got to love them enough to tell them that. I was in uh, seventh grade, and my first uh, four years of grade school, all of Plainfield was in two schools because we had Mayberry. We're about 1,850 people. And now you know Plainfield's at 40,000. Well, it started growing. So my fifth and sixth grade years, we opened up two more grade schools. And all of my friends, the nice wanderers and shrouds you hear me talk about, all of them went other schools. And I had one class for two years. And I got along with all of them. They all lived right around me. They weren't my normal friends. But when I got to junior high, I hadn't seen my friends for two years. And I wanted to fit in. I'm kind of a people person. I don't know if you know that about me. And so I hooked up with Mike and Kevin. I won't tell you their last names because some of you might know them. And they were bad kids and I knew it. But I wanted to be a part. So we're at gym class one day and we're making fun of Franklin Schaus, who was mentally handicapped. And we're not doing very good. And Mr. Teeny, the coach and PE teacher, my basketball coach, he called me over and he said, Kane, I want to talk to you a minute. He said, first of all, the way you're treating Franklin's not going to, we're going to get back to that in a minute. But he said, I want to talk to you about something else. He said, I know who you are and I know who these two bozos are that you're running with and they're not good and what they're doing is not good and that's not who you are and you need to stop it. He, He changed the trajectory of my entire school life. I stopped. Sometimes that's all it takes. It's just love somebody enough to say, hey, you've got to stop this. Here's the last thing, and we'll be done. We need to follow the examples of love way back in John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another, but he didn't stop there. He said, as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. I'm sure when he said that, they're looking at each other and said, excuse me, did, did he just say what I thought he said? Because they watched him love. And they knew that Jesus loved constantly, he loved faithfully, he gave and gave and gave unconditionally, and when he was out of love, he would go someplace, get by himself, pray, get filled back up and love again. And his disciples were saying, listen, the God of the universe showed up down here on the planet and loved like that for three years, and you're expecting us to love that way? And Jesus says, yeah, yeah. 
You're expecting South Union Christian Church, the kind of people that we are on the inside, you're expecting us to love each other that way? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm expecting you to do, Jesus said. Greater love hath no man than this than he laid down his life for his friends. You know when he said that? Just a few hours before he got on the cross and proved it. So you know what that means? That means you and I can never get to the end of our rope when it comes to love. We can never love long enough, hard enough, or too much. We can never say, I've had it with him, I'm not doing anymore. I've done all for her that I'm going to do. I am fed up with these people, I'm through with them. No, 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 you're not. You're disciples of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody else in here besides me that is thankful beyond words to express that Jesus Christ never got to the end of his rope in his love for me, that I've never got on his last love nerve. Man, shouldn't we have that for each other, especially in a church? I have never seen La Miseré. I thought it was less miserables for years, but I've never seen the play. But I know the storyline. Jean Valjean was in prison for 19 years. He gets released from prison. He's got no money. He's got no food. All he's got is the clothes on his back. And he's trying to find shelter the first night out because it's raining. So he crawls in this place to find shelter and come to find out in the morning it's a doghouse. The dog's not very happy, so he bites him two or three times, tears his shirt, chases him out. Now the guy's literally got nothing. And if you know the storyline, a priest comes along, sees him, takes him in, feeds him, gets him a new set of clothes, takes care of him. The very next day, he steals all the silver in the church. I mean, this priest did everything he could for the guy, and he robs him blind. Well, the cops didn't take very long for the cops to catch this guy, and they bring him back to the church in front of the priest, and uh, before they can even get the, the accusation out, they tell the priest, we found this guy, and he's loaded up with all this. Before they could even get that out, the priest runs over and grabs two silver candlesticks, and he says, John, you forgot these. In other words, he didn't rip me off. I gave him the silver, and he forgot to take these with him. Well, this guy was blown away by that. He was wrecked through that unmerited favor and grace, and it changed everything about him. He became the mayor of that town and spent the rest of his life trying to recreate that kind of love for other people. And, and you know how come I know that story, even, because I've never, even though I've never seen it? It's because I've seen it played out in my life and your life over and over and over and over again. I'm Jean Valjean. You're Jean Valjean. We had absolutely nothing and no hope of anything. And Christ came along and gave us everything. And we have spit on that and stepped on that and taken advantage of that over and over and over again. And he keeps dumping buckets of grace and buckets of grace and buckets of grace. As I have loved you, that's how I want you to love one another. We need more of that. We need to change the world like they did 2,000 years ago with the love of Jesus Christ. We need that right now. Now you get on into the New Testament and Paul goes on past 1 Corinthians 13 and talks about over and over and over again brotherly love and what that means that we should forgive one another and love one another and protect one another and bear with one another and take care of all the one another's. 
And that's what Jesus expects from us. And I'm telling you, you I, don't have to, I don't have to tell you, you've seen it, you've read it. If, if we recreate that in the church and then we take that from the church out there, we'll, we'll change this entire community for Jesus Christ. Got a couple of coaches. One right over there that knows all about this. Love each other. That's it. It's that simple, that powerful, that amazing. And of course, it all starts here. It always starts here. We, we can finish here, start here. Everything is here. It's a broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. So just contemplate the love of Christ. Wherever there's a place in your life where that's not being evident, would you just come up here today and take this and say, Lord, let's work on this. I want to want to be who you want me to be. Create me a new heart like we talked about last week. And if you're here today and you've not accepted this love, nothing like it. Come up here and let's talk about it.